On today's episode of Secrets to Scaling Your E-Commerce Brand, I got a chance to chat with Brian Marville from Warren Brand. What an awesome conversation. We talked all about the way that they are acquiring customers. We talked about one way that uh, probably most of you have never even thought of before. And it's something, an, an idea literally that just came to me two or three days ago um, as far as uh, a one way that is incredible to be able to uh, get to a mass amount of customers who already want your product. Uh, really, really great. We talked about what's working in 2022 as far as marketing is concerned for acquiring new customers. And then we talked all about product. Guys, you are not going to want to miss this one. If you are a mid seven figure brand and above, listen up. Are you struggling with ads this year? Uh, How about growth in general? What about profitability? Supply chain issues got you down? You are not alone. As a brand owner myself, I totally get this. iOS 14 has ravaged many smaller brands. The good news, our clients at Upgrowth and the brands that we own have not been touched. Don't get me wrong. We had to fight to figure out how to advertise effectively in a post-surveillance ad world, but we learned some incredible lessons along the way, and we want to share some of those lessons with you. So go to www.upgrowthcommerce.com slash grow to apply for a free growth plan today so we can show you what is working in a post-iOS 14.5 world. Again, that is www.upgrowthcommerce.com slash grow. Now... On to today's episode. Hey guys, Jordan West back with another episode of Secrets to Scaling, your e-commerce brand. Today, I am joined by Brian Marville, all the way from New York State, I think, somewhere north of New York, uh, from Warren Brand. Brian, welcome to Secrets to Scaling, your e-commerce brand. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, We've had some great conversations so far. We've had some technical difficulties, but we are back. You guys, you are going to get a chance to listen to this conversation today uh, if I, you know, have to uh, go to hell and back to make this happen, uh, which I have done so far today, guys. I have absolutely done that. Brian, for people who don't know anything about you or anything about Warren, tell us just a little bit about who you are and what you guys do. Yeah, so I'm the founder of Warren, uh, a two and change year old D2C sock company. Um, we make higher performance socks with a smaller environmental footprint. Uh, a lot of people call us the anti-cotton sock company because um, we're like very openly treading on cotton territory, um, coming in and saying, stop buying cotton, uh, replace it with a higher performance fabric, kind of like Lululemon did with uh, gym shirts, uh, you know, circa 10 years ago. Um, trade over to a performance fabric. We created that fabric, which we can talk about a little bit later. Um, but my background is Adland in New York and then ran away and hit upstate to do product development. And now I make socks and here we are talking about it on this podcast. Awesome. Awesome. Really looking forward to diving into this. So today, guys, we're really going to be focusing a lot on, on product, product development, what makes a good product, all of that kind of stuff, which in my mind is actually above all, you know, when we talk about marketing on this podcast, you know, we talk about offer, right? Offer is, is that number one peak and then comes creative and then copy and all those sorts of things really before all of that is product, right? You can go ahead, you can sell a product once. Um, and you know, good marketers can sell you anything once. But product is what actually creates a brand and helps people come back to the brand. So I'm really looking forward to diving into this. We haven't talked product uh, in a while. Uh, looking forward to this. Brian, I, I want to just go back to the beginning there uh, and you talking about cotton. Why? What, what's your hate on for cotton, bro? Yes, yeah, it's, it's pretty simple, right? Like out of the $8 billion US stock market, $7 billion of it is uh, repeat cotton purchase, right? People are buying cotton socks year over year over year with the same complaints. Uh, stretch out moisture management, 
Um, and the long and the short is, you know, SOC, that as an occasion, as a product, is kind of considered second rate. It's overlooked. It's kind of apathetic. Um, but cotton's comfy and it's cheap and people keep buying it. But one of the things that, like, if you look at the top five complaints in socks, uh, my feet sweat, it stretches out and they wear out really quickly, right? Those are actually yeah. all related to cotton. Cotton carries 10 times its weight in moisture. It's not that your feet sweat, it's that your socks are absorbing a ton of water. When it's wet, mm. it can't dry. So it stays wet all day and you think that they're damp yeah. and gross. When it's wet, it's a staple fiber. It's organic. It'll stretch out over time. Like all the little staples that comprise that thread will actually stretch out. When they stretch out, what do they do? It loses its shape. It falls down. It rolls over on itself. It gets uncomfortable in the foot, right? So when we started deving uh, and we were looking at the complaints in the sock market, and we wanted to introduce something better. The first thing we realized is the predominant number of complaints in socks were because they were made out of cotton, right? It's like mm. wrong from the wrong from the get out, right? But it's what's yeah. known. And for sock companies, it's a high margin. Right. So why would yeah. they stop making cotton socks? Right. Like yeah. for high margin fabric. Uh, and it also turns over. Right. Like it wears out. The average cotton yeah. sock lasts like 13 washes. So why would I break that if I was selling you cotton socks? So we saw the disruption opportunity to say, whoa, we can we can position against that. Um, so that's on the performance level. And then on the other side, um, did you know cotton uses 16 percent of the world's pesticides? Like globally, it uses cotton. Wow. The one I did not know that of the world's pesticides every year. Um, the New York Times just came out and said that it, like the predominant percentage of organic cotton that is marketed is a complete and total lie. Like it's like falsified certifications and things like that. Wow. Um, so expensive brands are doing like really expensive markup, $70 t-shirts. You're buying the same $3 cotton. Um, and then it also takes about 20,000 liters of water to grow one raw kilogram of cotton, which is only 10 pairs of socks. So cotton is a, is a top wastewater producer, is the takeaway. And it is not the right fabric for your feet, which is the other takeaway, which is why we don't use it. Uh, yeah. That's, yeah, that's the beef with cotton. It's just not the right solution. Yeah. So, so, so how did you solve it? What, what, what's your solve for this? And how is this actually better than what the conventional wisdom out there has been in Sockland? Yeah. So uh, to make my background like a long story short, I was in uh, Adland for a long time on the strategy side. We started working and consulting with startups um, and just kind of fell in love with these guys that were pitching product and, and really into the product and really understood UX, but didn't really know that much about brands. And that's when I found out I was a product guy too. And um, the first product I developed was a product called Wet Socks, which was a frictionless sock for getting in and out of wetsuits and boots, which I don't know if you've ever been in one. Cool. It's a pretty uncomfortable experience. Um, but people really liked it. We spent a lot of time working on that technical fabric. And then we applied it to like 15 other occasions, like some hunting occasions, fishing occasions, waterproof occasions, all that type of stuff. And what we learned is that people had like a really latent disappointment in socks um, as a product. And they really liked the idea of feature orientation, but none of those products mm. could scale. Right. Like when you were designing a company, they could kind of done it wrong from the get out. Like they were all a variety of very niche markets, which was difficult to keep up with. Gotcha. They just weren't uh, big, a big enough market to serve with socks. Totally. Like we couldn't we couldn't scale past a certain point. Like it was it was kind of confined in its design from the get out. It was great for product development and learning that process, but yeah. it, you know, it wasn't going to go too far. Um, so we looked at, well, we know how to do socks. What could scale? And we said, well, the number one seller is cotton. How can we improve it? And we're like, well, actually, it's got a lot of faults. We can't improve it. Um, 
But Merino is an awesome fabric and people seem to really like it. There's one or two pretty successful brands in it. But uh, Adland taught me like, if you're not actually improving on a thing, like you're never going to be able to outspend the market to, to advertise. Yeah. Like it's not actually substantively different. Uh, so we looked at the weaknesses of Merino and we said, well, it does have some stretch out. Mm, you could improve its moisture management and it does have kind of a rough hand feel. All of those things are solved by the tech fibers that we've been using in this other project. So what if we went out and we tried to combine those two um, and spin the fibers together? And what ended up happening is over the next 18 months, we were able to spin these tech fibers into the Merino. And so it's kind of like Merino and Under Armour had a baby. Uh, and we created a product called Aerowool, right? And so cool. we started knitting socks from this fabric. Um, and really what it does is it's just a synergistic relationship between the organic fiber and the technical fiber. The technical fiber helps it with moisture. It stops it from stretching out. But the organic fiber moderates climate and keeps it soft. So it's kind of like a little wonder sock baby. Um, and it lasts <laughs> awesome. four or five times longer than cotton, holds 10 times less water. Anyway, that's I mean, the biggest difference is the moisture management and the, the longevity. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, Brian, we're in late 2022 right now as we're recording this. This will probably come out December-ish, somewhere in here. Um, you guys started two and a half years ago. I'm sure you guys got the, the COVID bump as a lot of e-com, you know, D2C brands did in that time. Um, what's working for you in 2022? What What is helping you guys continue to grow? Yeah, I mean, what's we did see that early bump, right? And it kind of took off and we did like a 2X and then a 3X. Um and, you know, there's a lot of learnings there about inventory management and stuff that we went through that were kind of rough. Uh, but what's been working for us now is is kind of two things. One, um, we've really been nurturing our existing relationships. So, like, repeat business for us yeah. is expanding quarter over quarter. Um, and even though we are still growing at like a 2x clip, like our repeat revenue rate is still around 40%, which is kind of insane because you're adding so awesome. many new customers and yet you still got that. Um, sort of repeat business aspect. So we do a lot of trying to make sure that our customers know we've got multiple occasions, uh, multiple cuts, multiple options, that we kind of expand their lifetime yeah. value. Um, we've launched a referral program recently, which was extremely successful. It's not something that we played around with early. I'm sure everybody knows, oh yeah, you can get to the referrals. And like it's it's if you really nurture that and you A-B test your offering, you're going to find that you've got some really, really key um, consumer friends or advocates out there that will just push it out, you know, to 10, 15, 20 cool. people, like harder than affiliate level, you know, pushing it harder than affiliates, um, which yeah. was which was really, really great. And, you know, something that we've been doing that is uh, – from a liquidity sense, like a little bit risky, but has worked really well for us in a, we believe our product is different. Our mission is get socks on feet, um, is we've been partnering with sub boxes, right? So cool. like we just, we partnered with GQ uh, this month. They're going to ship 45,000 units um, and they'll go out to 45,000 people that never heard of us, right? Like you pay the cogs value on that. Um, yeah. But if you look at your and customer- is that essentially- is that the trade that you guys are making is essentially you're just you're just giving it to them at, at your cost of goods? Yeah. Or, or are you just or are you just literally sampling that out there? It depends on the relationship, right? Like if it's somebody as huge as GQ, they get a slightly better deal and they put a little bit more pressure and they get, you know, practically nothing and you come out with the expense. Um, 
but they're also shipping 45,000 units and the cost of that would have been astronomical for you. It's something that you couldn't have supported in a sampling effort, right? And, um, and your ideal customer, right? Like, like and, you know that, that, you know, the people who are getting this box, most likely, I'm sure you have some demographics on that. And 45,000 people is a lot of people to be sampling incredible, especially if you've got a good product. I mean, of course, right? Like this just makes so much sense. Exactly. If you've got a repeat purchase, like a habitual repeat purchase type product, you can do this type of sampling, right? It's not going to work with like yeah. a mattress or, or whatever it is. It's sort of like a one-off larger uh, AOP. Send out a mattress uh, sample. <laughs> no, no mattress samples. I would, we could talk about the mattress model that's been going around. We'll talk about that another time. Um, but yeah, so we've been working with Subboxes. GQ is a good example, but there's a variety of other partners and they range in scale from like, you know, 500 subscribers up to, you know, 100,000 subscribers. And, yeah. you know, they also range in, um, you know, their models and all these sort of other things. But the, the reality being, if you plan them and you forecast them in advance, you can have a lot of relationships and customer relationships introduced where you're sending a product and a discount coupon in a targeted experience with a little blurb on you um, in you know, a partner that you chose the equity of and makes sense for your brand and, and get it out there. Um, and we've, you know, we've probably shipped 150,000 units that way. I mean, GQ wow. was the largest. Wow. We've done multiple, you know, we've done multiple 10,000 unit pushes. Um, and those people come back, like the conversion rate on that is very, is very good. Um, compared walk, to walk me through how how you're tracking that stuff, Brian. What what mechanisms are you using for that? Is just the, the just simple discount code tracking, or what what is that? We use code tracking. We've done some QR tracking, um, which is hasn't been any more effective than than the actual just the traditional code, right? Like, and <laughs> isn't that it, funny? Like, it's because I'm I'm totally with you. Like, we you know anyone who's listened to this podcast for any time knows I I used to own a restaurant years ago. It was my worst business ever. And it was the first thing I ever got into. And that's all, that's the only way we could track is just like send a discount code to this neighborhood and a discount code to this neighborhood. And that's the I'm only a, way that we could track anything. I'm a like, firm believer that working in a restaurant is one of the best trainings you can have for becoming an entrepreneur, period. Like, like just the multitasking oh, yeah. you accomplish in a restaurant, like it's just the life skills you pick up in that, in that period. Are in, yeah. like you can almost tell if you meet somebody if they're really a human. Oh, they probably worked in a restaurant, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, totally. That was shit that nobody else has put up with. Um, but uh, yeah, so, so you've split test. So you've tested QR codes. You've tested discount codes. We we've split test codes of all types. I mean, insert you know sort of the, the expected things here. And the most effective thing we've seen is a cardboard coupon that says this sock is going to last long enough that you're going to forget where you got it. Keep this in your sock drawer. And the repeat... Uh, brilliant messaging. ...coupon in your sock drawer. Um, yeah. We, I mean, we, you know, we see conversions repeatedly from that. But those, those go out, that, that co cardboard coupon has been the best tracking we've had since uh, iOS 14. Wow. Wow. That's that's absolutely incredible. How do you find these sub boxes to uh, to approach? Are they approaching you? You approaching them? And what is what is the timeline on all of that? Yeah, so we we have a team member that does sort of cold outreach and will okay. just kind of do I, reaches out to the box, 
has an initial conversation um, and gets basically three or four facts. Like what is their lead time? What's their subscription base? And are they, are they looking for a quality product or are they looking for their own margin? And I would caution mm. you if you're going to jump on this track. The first thing you should consider is like some of these partners are only looking for crap to put in the box for free and they don't care yeah. what it is. Right. So like, if that's the case, just eject, get out of there. Like, and you're going to be able to sniff it out very, very quickly. And then some of the okay. guys who have been around a little bit longer, um, will basically say, yeah, you know, we buy X reduction off MSRP. It's this range and it depends on the product weight. Right. And they'll be yeah. like, okay, can I save some cash and shipping? And that's probably a good indicator that you're dealing with the right person. But the long and short is most of these people will be two quarters out at least. And okay. they will, you know, you should, you should be looking at putting the PO in, being able to go into production and not having to source it from your own, your own inventory. Awesome. Awesome. That's, that's really, really great to know. So is that your, is that like your number one marketing channel right now? Uh, no, the number one marketing channel is direct. Uh, I mean, we're, we're definitely growing fastest and we've been using Facebook and Instagram and I hate to uh, sort of admit that we're transitioning over to a more purely uh, organic approach. Um, we've got another channel launching uh, in another week or so that we've been using as a testing ground, right? So we finally caught up with the rest of the world where like you're using organic as a testing ground for like quality messaging and then using yeah. that test bias and putting it into, into paid circulation. Um, we were a little bit behind on that. We were running very very simple um, messaging that was very ownable though, right? So the anti-cotton sock company kind of came through pretty loud and pretty clear. Um, yeah. And our, we saw reasonable conversion on that, but you know, in the last three or four months, it, volatility way past iOS 14, just like with the market and with meta CPMs and all that type of stuff. Um, we've been veering away from it and pushing more towards organic uh, and, and even some traditional display stuff has been working pretty well. Interesting. Uh, tell, tell me about that. What do you mean by traditional display? Uh, like Google display placements, past retargeting, yeah. like using it, as a, using it as a net new um, and just yeah. expecting that it's, you know, going in, knowing that it's, it's a little bit longer conversion conversation, right? Like I think you get used to that really easy spend CPM convert, repeat kind of model. And you see, you know, we're thinking everything's happening inside of like four to seven days or whatever the case may be. Um, in display, we've seen like a little bit longer engagements. We might see like five, six, seven impressions over the course of two weeks, even three weeks. Um, yeah. Because the cost is lower, right? You're, you can yeah. let... CPMs turn, are so low on display. Right? So it's, it's super low. I mean, I would say it's worth... Uh, what would be a good guess? I would say it's just about a fifth of what we were spending. Um, so that makes sense. Yep. And, uh, you know, it's it's a little bit of a longer tail. And I think that some people kill it kind of early, but if you let it be a slow growth, um, and again, like you're looking at a six or seven impression thing before we really start to see solid movement. Um, but when you combine something like that with triple whale, uh, you really start getting interesting audience insights, right? So you can go Absolutely. scale- and you can go broad and you can pair that cheap CPM with that server side analytic and yeah. you really start to paint a more complete picture. And that's something we've we've started to navigate and see, you know, the numbers aren't huge, but the learnings are very clear. 
And I think that, yeah. you know, in this world, that's that's something to take away. <laughs> it's about yeah. you. Absolutely. Um, speaking of Triple Whale, I think they are the sponsor uh, this month again <laughs> uh, of the podcast or one of the sponsors of this podcast. We absolutely love the guys over at Triple Whale. We use them in all of the companies we own uh, and then client accounts as well, obviously. Uh, one of the one of the reports that I love to see when we're looking at this kind of stuff is their customer journey um, report. It's super interesting to see how long these people take to actually get through the funnel, right? Um, yeah. And so that's a really great way that you can actually test some of these different channels as long as you can UTM them properly. You can actually see what that journey actually looks like. And that's how you can justify whatever ad spend that you that you want to be able to spend, right? Is actually looking and being like, no, no, no. These people actually found out about us here. Well, it's a, it's a different way of looking at it, right? Like everybody wants to claim the conversion, but understanding the journey is where you really are going to start optimizing your spend. Right. Like you yeah. might get eight views or you know, eight's a lot. You might get multiple impressions on a display platform or on like a more general um, like ad asset, like a cheaper asset on Facebook or something like that, where people are viewing through multiple times and then they come in and they convert somewhere else. And I think that is the yeah. beauty of the program where you can say, mm, okay, so I get my spot like day one conversions over here and they're expensive and this is what the journey looks like. I need to keep pumping cash into this broad market because yeah. these guys are getting credit for it over here. But the reality is six of the impressions came from display. So Yes, 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 totally. Incre that's incredibly important data to know. Uh, just a quick plug for uh, our team at Upgrowth Commerce. This is the kind of stuff we look at all the time, guys. Um, these are the decisions that we're making constantly for our clients and especially, you know, we've got clients spending in the hundreds of thousands a month, right? So they, we understand how important this data is. And Brian, I'm so glad that you brought that up because display is one of those ones that you're like, well, I don't know. I mean, display is just kind of like, like, yeah, sure. We get some cheap CPM, some cheap impressions. 10 years ago, it's fine. Yeah, but it's but it's really interesting, especially with the with performance max now, right? And seeing what performance max can do and where exactly all of that that money that you're spending is going and display is not, it's not dead. Um, it just, you just need to work it into your strategy in a certain way. So I absolutely love that. Brian, I got to ask you the question. I ask everyone who comes on the podcast, what is your secret to scaling? Uh, my secret to scaling is having a product that people want to come back and buy a second time and yeah. having variants of that product that they can continue to do that. I, I know that's not the answer that, you know, me a year ago wanted to hear when you're under like the two X <laughs> looking for like the magic bullet. But the reality is if you are like, if you are starting over with new relationships with customers, you are going backwards, right? Like if yeah. you have to add new customers every month to keep the same revenue level, like that is, that's a major, a major problem, even if it's profitable, right? Because it's yeah. never going to hit, it's never going to hit that dynamic where you get that, like, you know, we even saw it between year one and year two. Like when the year one guys came back and purchased a second time, suddenly, you know, you see a revenue bump, but then you see a second revenue bump, uh, like the ripple out of them telling other people, right? Yeah. And getting those advocates that are willing to do it. Uh, to me, I we play tight on like media and we hold we hold tight on net new growth and push repeat rev um, with product. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love it. I love it. It's such a different way of looking at things and a different sort of secret than a lot of people talk about. Um, 
this this <laughs> like create products that people actually want right and that isn't yeah. just this one-off thing that they're just going to throw away um you know it's really really important so uh absolutely love that brian i got three more questions for you i hope that you're ready yeah i think so all right uh first question favorite tool or app that you're using right now uh veros is probably my favorite tool that i'm using right now outside of triple whale um, Veros is an app that we were one of the betas on and they've now grown to like 2,500 companies, but effectively they pull in like a contextual horizon. Um, so they're like for your CPMs, your Facebook, your Shopify, et cetera, like your AOV, they will compare by industry norms, spend all the type of metrics you can hit and you can't see yeah. any, you know, you can't, it's, it's anonymous from a company perspective in a sense, but you can see what good looks like. Right. And mm. you can have other people that are spending 30,000 a month, 30,000 a month, 100, whatever it is, um, that are in apparel and their AOV is XY. What are their CPMs called? Like, what are their conversion? Like, what is, what does their actual analytics look like on average? And then you can see best performers and weak performers. Um, yeah. And I think that's extremely valuable, right? Like, you can kind of go through anecdotal and your own history, but knowing what good looks like was really it was valuable to us. And it also, like if you're pitching and you're raising to be able to say industry averages X and we're at Y, you know, that's, it's, that's incredibly, incredibly important, especially guys for, you know, I've been on the, on, on both sides of the table quite often <laughs> on the investor and the raising side. And that is the kind of stuff people want to see, right? Like, are you special, right? Are, are you able to do something that other people aren't able to do? And if you don't have that data, the, the other thing, Brian, there is when you see that data, Right, it actually helps you make so, such better decisions because if you think, oh, a sixty dollars CPA, that's a little bit much for me, but everyone else is at ninety, well, don't shut that off because obviously you're doing something a lot better than everyone else, and that's just plain market conditions, right? So, um, it's very important to know those those numbers. Yeah, it's easy to make. It's you you make decisions within your own data set, but they're not necessarily within the context of reality. Right. They're yes. only the information yes. in your own data set. And I think seeing the context, knowing where the horizon is, it's exactly your point. You could turn stuff off that's doing about as good as it's going to, you know, and you don't want to. Yes. Do yes. And then if not, you have to rethink your business model. Right. If you can't if you can't make money or or you can't acquire customers like that, then maybe you need to take on some investors or change your business model or something to, or unit. Economics, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, second question for you, Brian, favorite podcast or audiobook that you're listening to right now? Uh, oh, oh, I've been listening to the smart list. Um, I, I've had that answer a lot lately. <laughs> I've been listening to that. I, I did the same, like kind of how I built this thing, uh, searching for empathy, <laughs> like everybody did. Yes. Yes. Um, and then I, I kind of like, uh, I, I hate to admit this. I went through a Joe Rogan phase, but only because it was like, what I listened to the Elon interview and it was like really interesting. And then I was like, this guy is, uh, incendiary. Um, how can he be so incendiary? And then I figured out why he was so incendiary. And I'll leave that for audience members to make their own uh, interpretations. I'm not going to say any more about that. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's like, you know, I love just hearing the dynamic between those the people on the show and just kind of telling stories and interviews and just there's a lot of empathy there yeah, about their own totally. stories and stuff like that. And it's just kind of like, fuck, well, that's what I think that's what we need, right? We all need to feel a little bit like we do. Other people have been there. And then you, you, you get up and you're like, ah, everybody's just trying. Everybody's just doing what they yeah. can. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, last question for you, Brian. Uh, you you found out today you have a year to live. What changes? Ooh, uh, I put up an out office. Um, <laughs> I guess I've never put up an out office. I would put up an out office, and you know what? Probably probably not that much. I over the last two years, I've I've spent a lot of time trying to learn to manage stress, like as I think all founders do. And yeah. it's, it's been, it's been a bit of a journey, but even like in the middle of the night, just forgiving yourself and saying, you know, if I don't sleep, I'm going to be useless tomorrow. So like, why am I, why, you know, learning to go through that process and just, um, be able to come into tomorrow with some sense yeah. of like energy. Um, you know, a year or two ago, I would have said I needed to, to focus on that. And that's what I would have done. Um, now I think I just want to like, want to hone it and like continue to work on that mindset of like being just trying to be mentally healthy and fully present. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I've got a year left. Great. Fine. But I'm going to be totally. there for all of it and I'm not going to hide yeah. behind stress or running around or whatever other excuse yeah. there is Your to, phone. to not be there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's great. I absolutely love that. What would you do if you only had a year left? If I had a year left, I, I, there wouldn't be a ton that I would change right now. I love what I do. Um, I think I, I think I'm actually with you. I'm going to take the presence part because you have 365 days. It's like I just want to be here for all of it. I, honestly, I'd probably get rid of my phone. I think that's what I would do. I would just get rid of my phone because that is like the one thing that keeps me from being present with everybody around me is that constant chatter of whatever's going on on Slack. And you know we have too many companies and too many people asking me questions that they can answer on their own. And I would just put it away and not answer anything. And then they, they could figure it out themselves. <laughs> That's a good point. Like always, being always accessible means you're always reachable like 10%, but never reachable like yeah, 100%. Yeah. yeah. That's a good point. Totally. And then you're having these beautiful conversations and then you're thinking like, you know, you just hear Slack and it's like, oh, okay, I'm going to come back to to something, some problem I have to solve. That's probably the only thing that I would change. And maybe I'll just change that now because now thinking is like, I remember going to, to, every time I hear my phone go off, I'm like, it's either an order or something reminding me to be scared. (laughs) Yeah. 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 So true. Oh, Brian, this was a great conversation. Thank you so much. Thanks for asking me the question back. Uh, Really appreciated that. Uh, Where can people find out more about you and then find out more about Warren? Uh, I mean, the easiest way to find more about me, if you want to contact me is probably LinkedIn, or if you want to get in touch and you're a founder or you've got a partnership or something you want to talk about, just email me marville at warrenbrand.com. Uh, yeah, just, just send me a note. I'm happy to, happy to chat and, um, probably learn from you as well. Uh, yeah. And if you want to learn more about the product, warrenbrand.com head there and check it out and, uh, let us know what you think. Give us some feedback. Awesome. Really appreciate your time today, Brian. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. Hey guys, we hope you really enjoyed today's episode. Can we ask you a favor? Hit subscribe so that you never miss an episode and share this with your e-commerce store owner friends. We also love reviews. So if you could leave us one on Apple Podcasts, that would mean 
so much to us. Just a reminder from the beginning of the episode, our team at Mindful Marketing is rapidly growing and we have room for one new brand a month that's looking to grow. Now, before you apply, please note that we're only looking for businesses that are ready to scale and have the capacity and the inventory for a large influx of orders. This opportunity is only available to brands that have had at least one year of sales history and are ready for explosive growth. If this sounds like you, go to mindfulmarketing.co slash apply and start the process today. I hope you guys have a great week.